This is a continuation from last Sunday's uh, reading, and it's taken from John 21, verses 9 through 14. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, a hundred fifty-three of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. The word of God for the people of God. So back in October, we had a great big event here at the church. We hosted the U of M Flint Chamber Choir Invitational. Uh, this is a great big music festival that happens every year. It's, it's a pretty big deal. Uh, high school choirs come from all around southeast Michigan to gather here in Flint for a day at Court Street Church. They spend the day rehearsing and learning from a, a nationally known choir director. At the end of the day, there is a, a great big mega concert that happens right here in this place. Imagine, imagine the front of, of the sanctuary filled with 185 teenagers and, and young adults filling, filling the stage, filling the choir loft, filling the stairs all the way up to the balcony, filling this space with, with incredible music. It's a huge event. It's a great big celebration of music that happens right here in this place. It's also a lot of work. It is, it is a difficult event to put on. Every year when we, we put on this event, when we host this event, it, it requires a huge, a huge amount of, of time and energy and resources invested by, by the people of the congregation. When we, when we host these choirs, we open up every part of the church for them to use. And so classrooms get transformed into rehearsal spaces and, and changing areas. Great big towers of pizza boxes get delivered and devoured all day long. We have, we have volunteers from our music ministry who spend the entire day here providing hospitality and helping people find their way around the building. We hire two security guards who keep an eye on the building for the entire day. We run our custodian ragged as he tries to make sure that the sound equipment is functioning properly and that there's toilet paper in all of, all of the bathrooms. Our business manager, Nanette Noyce, the other day she told me, you know, every year when we host this festival, we go through 400 rolls of toilet paper in that day. 100 rolls of paper towels. By the time all is said and done, we invest uh, close to $1,000 just in putting on that, that one-day event. And of course, we're picking up bits and pieces of pizza and, and leftover uniforms for, for days afterwards. It is, it is a stressful week every time we host the, the U of M Flint Chamber Choir Invitational. It is a, a big lift for the congregation. Uh, and so maybe it will surprise you to find out that it is also one of my absolute favorite things we do as a congregation. And I'll tell you the reason why. 
I love that we do this event because I have been part of churches. I have served other churches where people in the congregation will fight tooth and nail to keep that kind of event from happening at their church. I, I have served congregations where people in the congregation fight tooth and nail to keep new people and strangers from walking through the front door and using and inhabiting the space that God has given us. I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Years ago, I, I served a church that was approached by a ministry very similar to Family Promise of Genesee County. This sort of rotating homeless shelter ministry came to us and they said, you know, we, uh, we are hoping that you would be willing to, a few times a year, open the doors of your church and provide shelter and hospitality to some families who are temporarily facing a, a housing crisis. Well, I was thrilled that they had come to us. I was so excited about the possibilities for this ministry. And so I went to the church council and I presented presented them this, this offer, this ask that had been brought to us by this ministry. I said, isn't this exciting? How cool that they want to partner with us in this way. And do you know what the church council said to me? Do you know what was the first question that they asked? What if they make a mess in the bathrooms? What if they use all of our toilet paper? What if they wear out the carpets? What if they make marks on the walls? What if they don't respect the building the way that we respect the building? What if we let these people come and use our building and they somehow break the church? I'll give you another example. Years ago, I was, was pastor to a congregation where we started talking about reaching out into the community and meeting our neighbors and inviting new people to come and experience God's love as, as part of our church family. Family. And one Sunday after worship, one of the, the women, one of the members of the, the congregation sort of backed me into a corner and she said, preacher, and that's never good when you get backed into a corner after worship and the conversation starts that way. Preacher, she said, she said, I want you to know that I am not happy. I am deeply concerned about all of this talk about meeting our neighbors and inviting strangers into the church. She said, I joined this church because I like it just exactly the way it is. She said, this congregation is is not too big and it's not too small and I don't want it to get any bigger. She said, what if one Sunday I come to church and I look around and I don't know everybody's name? She said, what if, what if one Sunday I come into church and I sit down and I, I look around and realize I'm surrounded by a bunch of strangers? What if the church doesn't feel like a family anymore? What if we invite a bunch of new people to come in here and, and they somehow break the church? I can't tell you how many times I have heard some some variation of that question. What if they make a mess in the bathroom? What if they use all of the toilet paper? What if they somehow break the church? And so it is, it is good. It is so very good to be part of a church family, to be part of a congregation where people understand that our job is to be the church. Our job is to share God's love with as many people as we can. And God's job is to figure out how to hold it all together. That's the message of this morning's scripture reading. And today we're continuing the story that we've been following about, about Jesus and his disciple Simon, Simon Peter. We've been, we've been following the story of Peter all month long. Maybe you remember that the story of Simon Peter begins this way. Now Simon Peter was a fisherman. 
And one day he was sitting on his boat. He was mending his nets after a long day fishing. Fishermen back in those days spent an awful lot of time mending their nets. You know, back in those days, they didn't have all the synthetic fibers that we have today. And so back in those days, fishing nets were made with this fragile and delicate sort of linen fiber. And so every time you went out fishing, at the end of the day, when you brought your boat to shore, you would have to very carefully clean out your nets. And you would have to make sure that they were completely dry before they put them away. Because if you didn't, if you put them away wet or if you put them away dirty, when you got to work the next morning, you would discover that the nets had just disintegrated, rotted away into a big, soggy mass of disconnected fibers. Fishermen in those days spent more time mending their nets than they did out on the water fishing. And so one day, Simon Peter was sitting in his boat and he was mending his nets when this wandering rabbi came strolling along the beach. And and this teacher, this prophet, he looked at Simon Peter and said, follow me. Come with me and, and I will teach you how to fish for people. And so Simon Peter got up and he became a disciple. He became a student of Jesus. And Jesus and Simon Peter had adventures together. Simon Peter learned about the love of God and the ways of God from Jesus. He saw Jesus nailed to a cross. He saw Jesus raised from the dead. And now here they are, these two men, back on the very beach where all of this started, back in the very place where where Jesus first called out to Simon Peter, come and follow me. Now, Simon and some of the the other disciples have been out fishing all morning long, and so their their nets are filled with fish. And when they get back to the shore, they discover that Jesus is there, and Jesus has prepared them breakfast. Jesus has fish uh, roasting over a charcoal fire. And Jesus has got bread just sitting there waiting, waiting to be broken. And so when the disciples land their boat, Jesus says to them, "Come, Come have breakfast with me. He says, come and and bring me some of the fish that you caught. And this is the moment when Simon Peter does a very Simon Peter thing. In all the stories of Jesus and his disciples, Simon Peter is the disciple who works the hardest to please and impress Jesus. Simon Peter is always the first disciple to raise his hand and answer a question. He's always the first disciple to volunteer for an assignment. He is always the overachiever in that group of people Jesus called to follow him. And and often Simon Peter ends up looking ridiculous because he bends over backwards and works so hard to, to make Jesus happy. And it happens again in this story. Jesus says, bring me some of the fish that you caught. And Simon Peter thinks to himself, I'm not going to bring some of the fish. I'm going to bring Jesus all of the fish. And so Simon Peter runs over to the boat and he grabs hold of the net and he starts heaving and hauling that net full of fish towards Jesus. The gospel tells us that there were 153 large fish in the net. Theologians and Bible scholars have been trying for 2,000 years now to figure out if there's some deeper meaning to that number, 153. This is the only time the number 153 appears in all of the pages of Scripture. And people have been pondering whether it's got some kind of symbolic significance for for 2,000 years now. Some some people look for the meaning of that number in, in the pages of Scripture. At some point, somebody counted and discovered that the name of God is spoken one. 153 times in the book of Genesis. And so maybe that number 153 represents the the presence of God, the spirit of God, the love of God among God's people in the church. 
And some people look for the, the meaning of that number in nature. In the early days of the church, there were preachers and theologians who wrote that in the time of Jesus and Simon Peter, the Jewish people believed that there were 153 different species of fish in God's creation. And so maybe that number 153 represents the, the inclusiveness and diversity of God's church. Maybe that number is a way of saying that God's church is big enough to include every kind of person that there is. Mathematicians have pointed out that that number 153 is a, a mathematically interesting number. If you add 1 plus 5 plus 3, you get 9. If you multiply 9 by 17, you end up with 153. If you add all of the numbers from 1 to 17, it adds up to 153. If you take the cube of 1 and the cube of 5 and the cube of 3, you get 1 and 125 and 27. If you add those numbers together, you get 153. I don't know what any of that means. I, I don't understand the significance of, of any of that except to say that we may never know if there is some deeper meaning to that number, 153. What we do know, what we can say for certain is this. Simon Peter must have looked ridiculous trying to haul that net full of fish to Jesus. You know, the, the most common type of fish that was caught in, in the Sea of Galilee in those days was a, a fish called the Galilean tilapia. And the Galilean tilapia can, can grow up to 16 inches long. It can weigh up to three and a half pounds. Now, if there were 153 large tilapia in that net, then that means that Simon Peter was trying to haul somewhere around four or 500 pounds of fish along the beach over to Jesus. And can't you just picture him trying to struggle with that as he waves off offers of help from all the other disciples. Simon Peter, do you maybe need a hand with that? Back off, guys. I've got it. Really? Maybe maybe you could. I said I can do it myself. And so all of the other disciples back off as, as Simon Peter tries to haul this net towards Jesus. And they're all watching and waiting for that inevitable moment when the net is going to burst and fish are going to go flying everywhere. And Simon Peter is going to be sent sprawling on on the beach. They wait and they wait for those fragile and delicate nets to break. And as Simon Peter struggles along the beach, they suddenly realize that they are watching a miracle in slow motion. The miracle is that the net does not break. Simon Peter hauls 500 pounds of fish to Jesus in this wet, dirty, delicate net, and the net does not break. That's the miracle of this story. And there's a message in the miracle for the church, the church back then and the church today. Those of us who are, are so worried about breaking God's church, those of us who are worried that the church is, is going to be broken by inclusiveness, broken by diversity, broken by filling it with too much love, we have underestimated the power of God to hold things together. We have underestimated the strength of God's nets. The, the church has lasted for 2,000 years now. The church has outlived empires and nations the church has outlived rulers and outlasted persecution. The church is not going to be broken by opening the doors of the church wider and inviting more people to come in. As a matter of fact, history teaches us there's only one sure way to break the church, and that's not to use it. The only way to break God's church, the only way to make sure things fall apart is to leave our nets sitting in a soggy heap in the corner until one day we discover that they've rotted and disintegrated completely away. One more story before we finish. 
So when we had this event back in October, there was a, a beautiful moment that happened out there in the parlors. As the festival of music was, was going on, some of our church volunteers, Alan Weimer, Leanne Link, George Bolda, were sitting at one of the tables out in the parlors, and they were taking a little bit of a break before the, the concert started. And as they were sitting there, a, a young woman, a member of one of the choirs, came walking nervously towards them. And this young woman, she walked up to the table and she said, she said, excuse me. She said, can you tell me what Methodists believe? And so they said to her, well, we believe in Jesus and we believe in God's love. And then maybe it was something in her, her face. Maybe it was something in all of the various colors of, of neon dye that she had in her hair. Something about her made them say to her, and, and we are working to become a more and more inclusive church where everyone is welcome." And she raised her eyebrows and she said, you mean anybody is allowed to come here? You mean anyone can walk through the door and be part of this church? And they said to her, yes. They said, we believe that God loves all people and we believe that all means all. And she said, thank you. And she turned and walked away with a thoughtful sort of expression on her face. And I don't know who that young woman was. I don't know which choir she was here with or where she lives. I don't know what God is doing in her life right now, but I do know this. She came and spent a day at Court Street Church. And before she left, she got to hear the good news that God's love is big enough and strong enough to hold all people in this world, including, including her. And I would give all the toilet paper and flint for more moments and more conversations like that. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for this place. We give you thanks for these people. We give you thanks for the love that you fill us with. And we pray that you would help us to have the confidence of a Simon Peter. Help us to believe that the nets will hold. Help us to believe that the church won't break. Give us the courage to cast our nets and share your love and be your church. In Jesus we pray. Amen.